0: 32 counties, united by people. My name is Andrea. Una is still living her Parisian dream. And this is United Ireland. Every week on United Ireland, we go under the hood of issues in Ireland, beyond the headlines, bringing you smart people who know what they're talking about. This week, as we continue uh, to welcome big tech to Ireland with open arms, hello to that new gigantic Amazon Fulfillment Centre, also known as a warehouse, Um, we haven't quite managed to enforce GDPR on the big guns who have their European HQs here. We're talking to Dr. Johnny Ryan. He's a senior fellow at the Irish Council for Civil Liberties and the Open Markets Institute. And he is a co-author of a report that examines our regulation of big tech and comes to the conclusion that Ireland fails to enforce EU law against big tech. Looking forward to that talk. But first, we are an independent podcast. We do need your support. If you do listen and you do like what you hear, please do pop on over to uni- or Patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and pay for this podcast And um, from, I feel like we do this spiel all the time we do, but that's what it's for because for as little as three euro per month, Three glorious Euros, fine Euros, um, you could be supporting this podcast um, and helping us to continue making it. Um so don't delay. Pop over now because I know I put things on the long finger and oh I mean to send that card. That's my main thing. I always mean to send card greeting cards. I eventually get round to it, but then it's anyway, I digress. Pop over there to patreon.com forward slash United Ireland and sign up for three euro a month would we would be eternally grateful. Now it's time for State of the Nation. Okay, it's been a busy week, as always. We are about to get back into the doll sessions. There's a lot of thinking going on. Finnegale are currently on theirs, Labour are on theirs, Fianna Fall had theirs um, with a sartor- sartor- sartorial. Slant being thrown um across it by that uh an article in the Irish Mail on Sunday slagging off what the women were wearing like absolute scarlet Johansson Johansson for that article um but yeah there's a there's a there's a lot of like throwing down the gauntlets going on at the moment um especially given Fien- Sinn Fein uh came out in the Red Sea poll as the most popular party in Ireland. Um, and as a result Fine Gael came out today all guns blazing uh, Leav Radke made a comment that yes it hasn't been a very good summer for Fine Gael. <laughs> slight underestimation um, but uh, Pascal Dunhu who then came out and said that they were willing to fight Gael, or Sinn Féin in the trenches essentially they were going to show them up in all the areas that they actually have no real plan for Ireland Um. As a party who has brought in vulture funds, who has brought in co-living, who has brought in, um, the most expensive place to live in the world. I think nothing in Ireland is, uh, is not the most expensive, uh, insurance, mortgages, you name it. It's the most expensive. So, uh, we look forward to that. I would say, Pascal, um, let's go. Um, also this week, Slough Care. It's like, it's actually so depressing, Martini. Um, two of the main people of Slough Care stepped in at a dual resignation, if you will. It was the group's chairman, Tom Keane, and the CEO, Laura Mag- Magahi. I'm so bad with names. Um, so they are, have stepped in because they didn't feel that, uh, things were moving along to then, uh, Brandon Courtney is one of the people on that. He has come forward and said that he doesn't think there's the political will to want to implement launch Care. Um, and that when you look at things, it's like, okay, you have this minister who's in charge, the minister of health, Stephen Donnelly, but they come in and out, whatever, whereas the HSC is who's actually really in charge. His exact words where you have a minister and a ministry and he's gone after four years. So you have this sort of pretend leader who's running a ministry. And then you have this huge organization, the HSC, which is actually running the healthcare system. So you have these two at odds. Um, so, And he said from his perspective that he doesn't feel Mr. Donny is a supporter of it. And it does feel that there isn't the political will. It was a cross-party um, project. Um, Stockdowns have obviously come out very strongly um, about how disappointing this all is. Um, and there was funding just given, I think it was 65 million uh, to start moving this along. So it, it, it's very frustrating to see this happen when there was such an ambitious plan to put in place so uh, hopefully something will happen and this will be fixed just fix it like that just fix the hse just fix our health system um another thing that needs to be fixed is uh, on a very similar note is maternity restrictions um this came to light again um it's been an ongoing thing partners not being able to be in for their birth of their children or for their scans or for missing out on so much. Um, and then last week, the Rotunda, the program aired, which was filmed while these restrictions were in place. Now, since then, there was a big outcry, a public outcry um, against it, obviously. And since then, the Rotunda have changed the uh, visiting hours from 8am to 8pm daily. But again, we go back to this circle of outrage of why does something have to spike for something to change? Why can't we just look at something and go, do you know what? Maybe partners should be allowed to be at the birth of their children. Um, maybe they should be able to be at the scans. Maybe they should be there if uh, the bad news is being delivered. Um, it just is so frustrating that everything has to be a campaign. Um and why there can't just be some grown up thought and think and conversations and um and why the public is always treated like children, that they can't be told what's got actually going on. Um on a similar note of maternity care, uh it emerged that the HSE Audit and Risk Committee has said that they have a problem with the makeup of the board of the National Maternity Hospital. Um, the this has been an ongoing feud um, for the move of from Hollis Street to Saint Vincent's. Um, however, the nuns want to keep control. They made a kind of separate uh, company, fake company. Um, Doctor Peter Boylan's been advocating this for a long time um and there is it it's one of those things that you're literally like what the hell what this is very clear what is happening and i know people want to get the maternity hospital over the line but you you can't just talk things away when they're staring you in black and white as to the nuns are still in control and how can we proceed with maternity care with religious uh control it just beggars belief um Also uh, this week, a convicted murderer, a man who was convicted of murder already was given an 18 month suspended sentence after trying to smother his wife. Um, Apparently it was an, it was a long, long term, uh, an ongoing struggle. And it went on for three hours. Um, She had her eyelashes pulled out Uh, whatever the details are, the fact that somebody who's been convicted of murder, who was trying to smother his wife was given an 18 month suspended sentence until we start taking these things seriously, um, in terms of sentencing, how are we meant to even move forward in how we think of women in this country? It is heartbreaking when you see this happening and y- it's very easy to just want to give up. And obviously we can't do that, but hopefully the DB, DPP is going to overturn that. Um, and I think we, there are so many people who are watching that. It's so depressing. Um, the Sunday business post led yesterday with their story that the majority of voters believe data centers should be restricted. Um, We've covered this so much uh, over the last while and I don't, it's bizarre how we're so gung ho and still pushing forward with data centers, even with everything we know in terms of climate change, in terms of, in terms of everything, everything. And finally, speaking of everything, Mayo versus Tyrone. Tyrone took it. Mayo's curse still lives on. There was a lot of heartbreak um, from Mayo fans. And actually, it felt like like a lot of the country were behind Mayo. Um, So condolences to Mayo, maybe next year. Monday uh, this week, the Financial Times broke a story about Ireland's failure to regulate big tech following a report undertaken by the ICCL. Uh, the ICCL has been at the forefront of every major rights advance in Irish society for over 40 years. They've helped legalise homosexuality, divorce and contraception. Uh, they drove police reform, to defending suspects rights during dark times. And the Irish Council for Civil Liberties is Ireland's leading human rights organisation and their work on digital and data issues has global impact. Joining us today is Dr. Johnny Ryan. He's a senior fellow at ICCL and the Open Markets Institute and co-author of the report. Good morning, Johnny. How are you?
1: Hi, Andrea. Nice to be with you. Uh,
0: Could you tell us a bit of background on the reasons you uh, undertook this report?
1: Yeah. You know, a year ago, before I joined ICCL, I was still working for a tech firm based in San Francisco. It was called Brave. And The guy I was working for there was the guy who invented JavaScript. And I was in that world of these tech firms. And from inside that world for several years, I could see that there was one question when it came to the GDPR that these tech firms were interested in. And that question was, is Europe serious? You've got this great big law with great big claims, but are they actually going to enforce it? And it turns out the answer is no, Europe was not serious, Ireland was not serious, many other member states were not serious, the European Commission was not serious. So the purpose of this report is to present very clear, definitive evidence of the problem. And the problem is that everyone knows we are being tracked by Google, Facebook, and many others In a way we're not comfortable with. We know we're uneasy about what is done with with our behavior online. We don't necessarily know the full extent of it. We do know we're plagued with these ridiculous uh, pop-up spam messages, which are themselves unlawful, by the way. And yet nothing seems to change. Now that is unacceptable because one of the important things that the GDPR did is it established entities that are supposed to protect us. You and I, Andrea, are not supposed to be wearing tinfoil hats as we use the internet. We're not supposed to have to worry. And we're not supposed to have to worry because the law gave these organizations, the Data Protection Commission and its counterparts across the EU, awesome powers. They can get access to any premises of an organization. They can compel evidence from those organizations, if you lie to them under certain terms, you can be put in jail. So they have the power to investigate proactively without anyone going to them with evidence, which we've done now many a time without any result. And more than that, they have the power not just to impose fines, which sounds good, but they can tell the most powerful companies in the world to stop doing what they're doing with our data and to change how they behave as a company. Now, that power was given to them to protect us all. And we're not seeing it being used. And that means, I'm afraid to say, that we have to use our power that the law also gives us, which is to directly litigate. So ICCL now is involved in um, litigation or similar procedures in Belgium, in Hamburg, and in Dublin. That should not be necessary. Like
0: some, like... I do. And if anyone who listens to the podcast knows, we do care about uh, what these tech giants are doing. But some, a lot of people, why should we care about what they're doing with what sometimes feels like innocuous data? Like I know I have many friends who just don't care. And I've gone as far as say, look, just put the chip in me. If it means mm-hmm. I don't have to carry anything or whatever, they can have all my data. I don't chip care. Why <laughs> do we care? Why do we need to care about this?
1: Oh, it's a, it, first, about a you No, no, no. It's, it's, it's a critical question. You should not need to care. We don't want people to have to care about this. We want them to be protected. It's the same with food standards, right? It's the same with chemical pollution in the rivers. You do not walk around your town or city every day wondering about whether the water in the local river and then in the reservoir and then in the tap is polluted until there's a crisis and you don't do that because we have set up something called society and a state and government and regulation that makes that problem for us not a daily one so i don't think we should have to care now having said that i'm going to tell you unfortunately why there is cause to be concerned <laughs> it's a different answer to a different question andrea
0: yeah tell us about the reports yeah. on cover them
1: okay well look let me frighten you a little bit Every time you visit, or nearly every time, you visit a commercial web page or use a commercial app. And you'll know this. You, You load an article on a newspaper's website, for example, and there's a split second where the rectangles around the article might be empty, just for a split second. Now, in that split second, something important is happening. Information about you, who you are, where you are, what you're reading, and your device is broadcast out to tens or hundreds of different companies so that those companies can decide whether they want to bid in an auction for the opportunity to show you, Andrea, an ad. Mm -hmm. Now, that might sound fair enough.
0: Perfect. I get the best ads of what I need.
1: Great. Great, right? Now, the problem is that that data being sent about you can include inferences about your sexual orientation, health conditions, political views, and so on. In our litigation in Hamburg, for example, our evidence shows industry documents that categorize people based on what websites and apps are sending. And those categories include bankruptcy, payday and emergency loans, and so on. So we have a data breach of hundreds of billions uh, of times a day of what everyone is watching, reading, and listening to and where they are In ways where those data can be put into dossiers about people and in our evidence which we've shared with enforcers we're presenting the evidence from the industry of what goes into those dossiers and these dossiers about you can include you know do you have an std Uh, are you infertile do you have mental health issues online gambling offline gambling payday and emergency loans bankruptcy that kind of thing and i'm quoting verbatim by the way Now, a reason to be concerned about that is, let's start at something really basic. The next time you apply for your dream job, if a lot of other people apply, it may well be that some algorithm has been um, put in a position to shortlist the CVs. And that algorithm may decide to not shortlist your CV, Andrea, because of something that was learned about you that was leaked out in online advertising. My STD. Maybe. So no enforcement against the publisher there, no enforcement against the online advertising companies, no enforcement against the data brokers, no enforcement against the recruitment company and the creator of the algorithm. Zero enforcement anywhere puts you at risk, but it gets worse. Which, which
0: raises the question, though, if we have all these systems in place and the power has been given to the data protection commissioners to enforce this and they have the huge power to go into the companies, where why is nothing being enforced. Why are we still, why are you taking, why do you need to take cases and why do you then need to do this report?
1: Well, look, I think this is going to be the story the next time we have an election. (laughs) Because the next scandal that we are going to end up talking about on your podcast, if you invite me back at the next election, will almost certainly be that Irish people were profiled and micro-targeted with political disinformation. That's almost inevitable. And we have presented evidence about that kind of thing in Europe already. Now, we don't know the reasons why we've had this enforcement failure. We, we can we can see which bits of the system have broken down, but there's been one very positive development. Just before the summer, no one has reported on it because of when it dropped. The Iraqthus Justice Committee, so that's every political party and the Senate and the Dole together, produced this really remarkable report on data protection enforcement. And the report says, the Data Protection Commission is causing us concern. It says it must urgently start enforcing the law. It says the government must launch an independent review of how to strengthen and reform the DPC. And the DPC needs to explain or, or develop or codify or, you know, put some substance to it's, in, its internal procedures. And it even contains remarkable recommendations like when you, the DPC, use the word resolved for a complaint, would you please define what that word actually means? <laughs> so, this, you know, the, there is clearly an acute concern. One of the things our report also says is the Minister for Justice should use her power to, uh, to have appointed not just one commissioner, but three, you can have three and decide which of them will be chair. So we have this political recognition now for the first time that first there's a problem, which is a major step forward. You need to acknowledge the problem. And second, that there's a a set of recommendations to reform what we're doing. And I think that is very, very powerful because not only do we have a problem in Ireland um, as individuals, If this problem isn't fixed and it will it will bite us all in our politics as consumers we will be disadvantaged, but as job applicants and in many other respects. But actually, Ireland has a problem. The GDPR put Dublin on the map in a new way. It said, because you have all of these big tech firms headquartered here, you become the regulatory capital for this huge area of the digital market, the digital future. We're calling it data protection. You can own it for most of big tech. Now, that's a big deal because it means that decisions are made in Dublin that 100 years ago, you could not have imagined Ireland having that sway in Europe, Uh that this would be the crucible in the venue. Here's the hazard. If we continue to fail, if we continue to be the bottleneck for enforcement in Europe and prevent our European colleagues from being able to enforce themselves across Europe, we're going to be sidestepped one way or another. But more than that, there is an, another generation of legislation coming out of the Commission that has even bigger opportunities for Ireland. If that legislation goes through as foreseen, you know we would find ourselves not just being the crucible and the venue for these data protection decisions which is a huge issue Mm -hmm. and a big part of the digital market but also for competition issues as well and for you know things like online speech and so on potentially and for parts of ai stuff that isn't yet nailed down in brussels and that is is about to be negotiated and in the negotiations it is impossible to imagine that that process would allow a situation where a place that has failed in enforcement in this first area, data protection, would be then allowed to be the the, the capital for decisions in these other areas.
0: Just in terms of those fail, failings, um, I just want to talk about maybe the WhatsApp uh, decision because it, it illustrates really what's going on in terms of the data protection commissioner um, tried to fine WhatsApp 30 to 50 million uh, for their infringements, but that was pushed back by the European Data Protection Board, which oversees GDPR uh, Europe-wide, and uh, and pushed for it to be brought up to £225 and which it ended up being, but there seems to be then a lot of scraps going on, but with Germany specifically coming for uh, Helen Dixon um, and Max Scrams, who brought the WhatsApp case initially, and um, who's a privacy activist. So there is already kind of scraps happening in Europe with our um, with Helen Dixon and the um, Data Protection Commission here already. Is that would that that's kind of an illustration of the failings that we'd be talking about? Is it?
1: It's an indication. Let me put it in perspective, though. The The WhatsApp decision at least wasn't stopped by Ireland. In the three years from May uh, 2018, when the GDPR was first uh, applied, to May uh, 2021, what our data in the report show is that Ireland's backlog for these european wide cases where ireland is the lead and where no one can do anything unless ireland first does its work ireland had responsibility for 164 cases and has delivered to its european colleagues draft decisions that they can then work on in only four of those cases so the ratio is 164 to four now that means ireland has not progressed 98% of the European-wide matters that are its responsibility to progress. And Europe cannot move ahead on those matters until we do. So is it a a scope
0: issue? Is it a financial issue? What is the issue?
1: We do not know what the issue is. The recommendations from the ERACTIS Committee show problems of procedure and they show problems of, um, uh, well, actually, The main recommendation, one of them was we need an independent review of the DPC to figure out how to strengthen and reform it. So let's hold off on on the whys, except to talk about money for a moment. It is true that the Data Protection Commission was underfunded for a decade and a half. But you'll notice in this report, we make an important point, Spain produces four times the number of decisions that its European counterparts can then work on. Right, So they produced 41 in that period, and Ireland produced just four. That's Spain. The Irish Data Protection Commission is funded better than the Spanish one. So in the last year, its budget was about 3 million bigger. Now, the issue there is clearly not money. It may well be that financial resources are one of the DPC's problems. But I think we need to solve all of the other ones before we start pumping in more money. So the independent review is really, really important. Now, um, if you think about that WhatsApp decision, you know the objections came from Germany, two different enforcers in Germany, the federal one and the Baden-Württemberg one, France, Italy, the Netherlands, Poland, Portugal and Hungary. And among the problems that they found, for example, were the Irish DPC was looking at WhatsApp um, as an individual company, but WhatsApp is of course part of Facebook. <laughs> so when you're judging the fine, if you're going to levy a financial penalty, you actually levy the penalty based on the the parent. So you know important things like that. And there, there was
0: also, I thought was really interesting about that was that there was the data that was being shared from WhatsApp to Facebook that's been under mm-hmm. scrutiny for so long as well that wasn't addressed.
1: Yeah. And Facebook has its own uh, data protection case. Uh, well, several um, being heard at the European Court of Justice right now. One of them is about the sharing of data between its subsidiaries, Oculus, Instagram, WhatsApp, Facebook. Um, And that, funnily enough, was brought uh, as a result of the German competition enforcer, not the data protection enforcer. Now, I mentioned that to say that if we don't enforce data protection, not only is it a big problem for fundamental rights, and not only will we feel it as individuals in a big way in the not too far distant future, but we'll feel it as consumers because the digital market is totally dysfunctional. It is impossible for any new innovative entrant to compete with Google or Facebook because they've got these big internal data free-for-alls that haven't been enforced against. So the stakes are really, really high.
0: What was interesting as well, I think, of that WhatsApp decision was that uh, it wasn't just a financial penalty. And uh, similar to the case that Luxembourg enforced on Amazon, they put in 425 million, but both of them came out with an order to bring data systems into compliance, um, Mm. which is probably more valuable than the fines really um, but
1: Much more important.
0: do we have the structure in place to enforce that so we're asking them to change all this so the kind of biggest question coming or answer that we're hoping to come out of all of this is that systems need to change to stop this happening
1: yes my answer is we don't know and we will see okay. it's important to have these test cases we should have had them a long time ago <laughs> it is what three and a half years since the law was applied and mm-hmm. um, the law was introduced five years ago and is based on law that we've had actually since the mid 90s so <laughs> it has taken a long time to get to the point where we can ask your question and it's shocking that we don't have the answers i don't have the answers.
0: okay well maybe we'll uh, before you go look at from this report and your findings, what are your recommendations moving forward? like what are the asks to come out of this what do what and what can we do as consumers? Is there anything we need to be doing as consumers
1: as well There's something you need to be doing as a voter as a citizen. This is not about the consumer. We need to be holding our state to account. We are not being protected, and we must be protected. There is failure at the d p c but there's been failure at government level and there's failure, I think, at European Commission level too. The more pressure that is put on the cabinet to fix this problem, the better. And our hope at ICCL is that the cabinet will rapidly, and hopefully the DPC too, will rapidly implement the recommendations of the Justice Committee just before the summer. The main recommendations, and we've been pushing for these for well over a year, are We need an independent review of the DPC to figure out what is going on. We're paying as taxpayers. We're suffering as data subjects. Our society, our market, our products, our employment, our politics are in jeopardy. We need to fix this problem with an independent review that can show us how to fix it. And the second big recommendation is we need the Minister for Justice to appoint two additional commissioners at the top. Of the data protection commission
0: um, if people want to read this report where can they find it
1: uh, you can go to iccl.ie and we will uh, make it public there you'll also see at iccl.ie the evidence in our litigation there are videos showing the kind of data concerns that that we think people shouldn't have to be concerned about but it is worth educating themselves about
0: that's so interesting uh, Dr. Johnny Ryan, Senior Fellow of ICCL and Open Markets Institute and co-author of the report. Thank you for joining us today.
1: So senior right now. <laughs> Thank you, Andrea.
0: <laughs> now it's time for Get in the Sea. This week's Get in the Sea. I have two things. One, I I, I can't even put it into words the Facebook glasses. Oh my god, the video of Cyborg Mark Zuckerberg wearing the sunglasses going what look how cool. You can update your status while you're on your rollerblades. Basically these glasses are the Google glasses. They found Google glasses and put and made them into Ray-Bans, made them cool. Um they have a camera on them and for security um when the camera is recording, it lights up white on the front so you know if you're being recorded these are the creepiest things in the world I don't understand why anyone would want to wear them apart from being a creep um and I think they just need to get in the sea also needing to get in the sea is when you are the deputy leader of the country and somebody shares a picture of you on the internet. It's probably going to happen. Now, there's a conversation about privacy. I'm a big advocate for privacy. And I think the whole conversation about Leo vraker and privacy, he enjoys a lot of privacy. And this wasn't, it doesn't feel like an infringement of privacy because what was at stake in Ireland and what had been said about the rules of the UK not to be followed and then forced someone to go and fo- do what he was telling the country not to do. It makes it completely different. But what is actually getting in the sea is his partner writing a letter to the Irish Times, basically saying his partner was being cyber bullied. Your partner is the deputy leader of the country. Do you read like, it's the most scarlet thing in the world to, now, obviously you protect your partner as best you can, but as it was dying down, you thought the best thing to do was to write a letter and flare it all up again, which then leads to a front page on the Sunday Times saying with the headline, which I don't know where the headline came from, theatre director is cyberbullying my of Varadkar. It is the most Scarlett Johansson thing in the world. Like, let him fight his own battles, A, eh? And if he ha- wants to say something about it, let him say it. Writing a letter to the Irish Times, are you well? Like, get in the absolute sea. <laughs> In terms of What's It's Bananas this week, uh, It's Bananas is a media-focused thing. Kim Kim Jong-un made an appearance on a red carpet and the coverage of him was basically like, oh my God, Kim Jong-un is sparkling. He's lost so much weight. He looks so good. Babes, that is a dictator who has infringed huge human rights violations and that just goes to show how pathetic our diet culture is that we are willing to overlook a dictator's actions to say how much of a glow up he's had. Are we all well? Like, what the actual fuck? It's like so outrageously bananas. I can't actually get my head around it. And I'm going to give that a full five bananas today. Mm hmm. Five bananas. But now it's time for some of my fave bits. Okay, I get ready. My fave bits this week are, what are my favourites? bits? My favourite bits are Paris Hilton at the US Open. Uh, iconic behavior as her song was played and Paris had a little bop around. It's just some lovely, um, uplifting, joy which is what I think we need a bit more of. So, yay. Also, uh, the shade that was thrown by Emma, who won the US Open, um, basically Piers Morgan took her down to Chinatown when she took time off for mental health reasons. And somebody was like, so what do you, what do you have to say to Piers Mo- Morgan about this when she won? She's like, oh, sorry, I don't know her. <laughs> Sting. Um, we love to see it. Also, we love to see Fringe is kicked off. Um, I'm obsessed with their brochures this year. They have these fab stickers in them, which have very iconic uh, messaging in them. Things like Dublin Needs Dance Floors, um, Artists Make the City. Um, and more importantly, there's a lot of shows in there. Um, as artists have struggled through the pandemic, like all of us, um the fact that work is being made and being shown now um i would highly recommend getting onto the website or picking up a book and getting some stickers and getting to see a show um if you would prefer to go to the cinema herself is finally on general release um i saw this a, while, a good while ago I was on one of the judging panels for the Irish Council for Civil Liberties um, and this film won it was it's one of those films that really stays with you it's so devastatingly sad but also very uplifting at the same time and beautifully made um, I cannot say any more good things about it if you can do get to go and see it because it is absolutely stupendous And finally, my last fave bit, this weekend, the mother block party kicks off. It's a standing affair. There's going to be disco balls. There's going to be drag. There's going to be dancing. I cannot wait to get on that dance floor. Lock up your sons and daughters because we are getting litty titty. Um, There's still tickets available. There's... Loads and loads of amazing performers. Um, get yourself a ticket and let's get, get jiggy with it. Oh my God, that's so cringe. I can't believe I said that. Sorry. Um, this podcast is produced by Andrew Mangan and Castaway Media. Crystal Clear gave us his tuna chicken roll for our soundtrack. And Sarah Fox did all of our design. This week's tuna chicken roll. I feel like we're at the end of the season. Of COVID. We're not really... We'll pretend, and of the IB the season. And this feels like a song that you would play just as the sun has gone down and the, it's time to turn up the heat. It's I'll Take You There, Frankie Knuckles. Enjoy it. Because I've been Andrea Horan. This has been United Ireland. And that was Big Tech Law.